This is the Date Night Podcast with Amber and Kurt. Welcome back to the Date Night Podcast. I'm Amber. And I'm Kurt. How are you, Kurt? I'm sad, Amber. Why are you sad? I mean, I know why you're sad, but why don't you tell the others why you're sad? Yeah, so... Yeah, like I am legitimately sad. This is not not clickbait. I know you are. Um, so some of the listeners might know, but some of the listeners might not know that I spent the summer doing the PA announcing for the Sioux City Explorers, our kind of local independent baseball team. Yes. And the season came to an end today. Um, it did. It was it did. the last regular season game, which there's a hundred regular season games. Mm-hmm. And and today was the hundredth, mm-hmm. and literally, if the Explorers would have won, we'd be in the playoffs. Yeah, th- I mean the 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 way it played out was actually really brilliantly scheduled. This is of, why we love baseball. Of it came down all the way down to the very last game. Yeah, whoever won this game between the Explorers and the other team, whichever team won, was going to the playoffs. Yep. That's yeah. why we love baseball. 100 games. 100 games, and it comes down to one. Comes down to one. Yeah. I mean, it could have been any of the, like, <laughs> you could always say, like, oh, we could have won this game or this game. Right. But, yeah. But the, uh, the Explorers started really bad and had a chance to make the playoffs, and I really wanted to make the playoffs, and now now the yeah. season is over, and, um, you know, for for a week at a time, um you know, homestands would be six six games in a row. Right. And the same group of us people would be in a very small space together. Yes. For four or five hours a day. Mm-hmm. And it was very fun. And I'm a little sad that it's over. I think I'm going to miss people. Yeah. I think I'm going to miss baseball. Yeah, you watched a lot of baseball I watched this a year. lot of baseball. But I think I'm going to miss people. Like, I think I what the sadness is, oh, I'm going to miss these people that I got sure. to know. Yeah. That's so. right. So I'm sad. I'm sorry for that. That's okay. How are you? I'm 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 not as sad as you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not feeling the feels that you are feeling right now. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, just a, another day. It's Labor Day. It's Labor Day. It's not Sunday. No. It feels like Sunday. It definitely feels like Sunday. Yeah. So. Mm. So, are you ready to? To hear a story, a new story. I can't wait. So you, I will say, we will be, disclaimer, you do know the story I am going to (laughs) to give. I I know bits and pieces of the story, and and I'm not going to give it away. Maybe when you're done talking, I'll explain to you how I know bits and pieces. Yeah. So I heard this story from our local news channel. Mm -hmm. And... I thought it kind of interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then as I was looking for a story for the podcast tonight, mm-hmm. this same story came up on the AP News <laughs> website. The AP Oddity website? Yes. Weird news and weird oddities and weird news? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I went, well, I got to, I got to. Welp. I got to talk about this. Yep, got to talk about this. So there's this town... It, near where we live. Yes, it is very near. Very near. So so to know actually where this town is is part of the entertainment. But... Um, but uh, let's clarify that. Part of the entertainment in the sense that like we know exactly where this is. Right. That's why it catches us. Yes. That wasn't like a knowing where this is makes this funnier. It's, oh, no, it's like no, close no, to no, home. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, I really want to read you the headline. And since I think since you know the story, I'm going to read you the headline. Yes, please, opinion. please. I don't know the headline. Iowa Town asks, where did we put our time capsule? <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. So this town was celebrating its 150th anniversary, right? That's, that's big. That's a big deal. That's a long time, yeah. For a town, right? Yep. 150 yep. years? Like that's... Throw a party. That's yeah. So they were gonna throw a party. Well, fifty years ago, they buried a time capsule, and they said, "Hey, hundred and fifty years celebration! Like this is a great time. We're gonna 
dig up the time capsule, open it up. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to refill it and we're going to rebury it. Oh, I didn't know it was going to be refilled and reburied. Yes. Okay, for another 50 years? I, that's what I assume. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a little bit of a hitch in the story. Yes. They weren't sure where the time capsule was buried. <laughs> okay. Hard to dig it up if you're not sure where it is. Right. So, um, again, it's only 50 years ago that they buried this time capsule. Yes. Um, they want to make absolutely sure they know where it is before they start digging. They think they know where it is. But they're not sure. But it's digging up concrete. Cron- oh, there's concrete. Concrete. Oh. oh. In a park. Why? Okay, keep going. And they they don't they don't want to make it a big mess because this hundred and like they always do a Labor Day celebration this, in this park. In this park, where the time capsule is buried. Where the time capsule is concrete buried. over the top. And so they don't want to dig it up and then have it be this big huge mess for the right. festival. Right. So I mean, there's a little bit of irony of like you. I feel like there was maybe some better planning that should have happened. Sure. Than that, but sure. Um, but the exact location of this time capsule is not certain. So they were, the plan was that they were going to dig it up on a Friday morning and then do like a birthday cake and coffee and a big celebration. Which is fun. I I would like to see, I would like to see what's in this time capsule. Yeah. And then they were going to refill it and rebury it. But they still couldn't find it. (laughs) So they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to. We're going to locate it, but we're not going to open it. We're not going to dig it up. During the celebration, we'll wait until after the celebration. Oh, so it didn't actually get dug up? Well, no. Okay, no, sorry. Okay. Hold sorry. on. Hold on. Sorry. That was the plan. Sorry, sorry. Okay. They were going to wait. Okay. Okay. The festival is going to go on, and then mm-hmm. they'll, they'll get a company with underground radar system to oh. help them locate it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, because they because another city nearby apparently had the same problem. I, I mean, I uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, in follow up to this story, there was a follow up to the story. I think there were a few follow ups. I'm going to sneeze, so I'm going to move my microphone away oh. a minute. Woo. Sneeze right into the microphone, please. <laughs> Okay, she sorry. Did not, th- did there not was sneeze. no sneeze. No. Okay, there was a follow-up to the story that um, was carried on our local news, but I do not see it on the AP News. So I feel like to be fully transparent. We're just clearing it up. Clearing the name. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> after, all, after all these news uh, channels picked up this story, uh-huh. the city came out and said, no, 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 no. We know where it is. We actually know where the time capsule is. It is actually buried underneath the nameplate that says the time capsule buried here. <laughs> not under the concrete. It's not under the concrete. It's actually where it says it is. Well, that was my question. Why would you put concrete over the marker that says this is where the time capsule is? <laughs> they, they did not do that, right? Say that again? So they, you said earlier it was under the concrete. They were going to have to dig up concrete. Yes. My first thought was there had to be some sort of marker. Why would you put concrete over the marker if you knew, like, that is not what happened? The marker was not under, like, it's not under well, the concrete, is it? Well, it's, like, technically under concrete, but it's, like, a small little, like, think of, like, a little headstone, you know, that's in the ground. Yeah, but it's not like a, like a concrete pad in a park. No. Is but it, they made that- it sound like it. Because that's what you described to me a minute ago, right? Yeah. That was not yeah. the case. No, it turns okay. out that that, okay. that really wasn't okay. the case. Um, so they did actually find the time capsule. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, they actually found it. They were actually able to dig it up on Friday as scheduled. I wish it would have been Saturday. I could have seen it. And they um, they were able, able to celebrate the opening of the time capsule as scheduled because they actually found it. Do, yes. Do you think the chamber in this town is just a genius? Like, look at all the publicity they got for their town. Uh, 
I mean, I don't know if it's good publicity, but look at how many people know this town now. That's true. That's true. Are they just geniuses? Um, uh, sure, maybe. I don't know. I doubt it, but maybe. Do you? It, it that seems like a really big, really big plan. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I mean. Yeah, no, I'm not going to ask my questions because this is a town near us. I want to be gracious. And I, I think my questions are gracious. I don't not ask them in a way that are going to sound gracious. Um, can I tell you about how I heard about this story? Yes. Um, I was at a baseball game. <laughs> oh, boy. I was at an Explorers game. Yeah. And one of the um, one of the other press box people works at Hy-Vee, is a, a manager at Hy-Vee in Sioux City. And, uh-huh. and he... We got talking about where I where I live where we live and um, he said oh I there's a high V in this town said uh-huh. town uh-huh. he said I've been there a couple times and he said oh this town is awful it stinks and I said well no I mean like it's got an, ele- an elevator it's a grain elevator yeah it smells like corn processing right and I was defending this town uh-huh. so then a person next to me googled said town. And the first news story is this time capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that Googled it said the time capsule was 150 years old. So I'm immediately intrigued. Yeah. 150 years is a long time. It is. It could be anything in that time capsule. Right. But it was it, it was buried in 1972. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, that's how I found out about it. And, and I, like, we would check it every night to see if they had found it. And it was this sort of... <laughs> evolving story of did you find it did you not find it and i'm I'm glad they found it yes they did find it they did dig it up and they did open it we should do an episode just on time capsules we don't have time have time to talk about it right now but yeah we should i want your take on it but not now yeah okay well kurt you may not have known it but that happened I didn't give you the cue. You did not said, give me the cue at all. I said, are you ready? And I hit record and I just looked at you. Yeah. So sorry for the <laughs> blank silence in that. We are crushing this podcast. And I'm not going to edit that out. Right. Well, I think that this is now the time to say thank you to the 508 509 listens. listens. That's that, not 509 people. No, but 508 listens to our podcast. 500 of them were you and me. <laughs> I was going to say at least 100, but, (laughs) you know, there's that. So, anyways, as we are crushing this podcasting (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Moment of silence there for me in this. (laughs) Okay. But in all seriousness, um, what we wanted to talk about tonight, um, because it really is at night. really is a date night. It is. Is... Uh, we talked a little bit about this. Well, hold, hold on. Just Sorry. you and I. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. We're talking about something because it's the third week, right? Yes. 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 It's current event week. Yes. Because this is our yeah. rhythm. Every yes. third episode Every, is a current event. Yeah. We try to we try to talk about something that's a current event. Something happening in the news that uh, we want to talk about. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. So this kind of came to my attention um, this past week. Um, but the governors in Texas and Arizona are busing migrants from Central and South America to New York City. And, um, I think Chicago has gotten a bus, um, but primarily, um, primarily Washington, D.C., is getting these buses of migrants. So just kind of wanted to, I don't know, talk about this a bit, of this idea of um, the, hold on, Curtis. Sorry, to... <laughs> I'm trying to, um, your mic needs to go up and closer, oh. right in front of your mouth and closer to your mouth. Sorry, your mic stand moves. Your it mic does. stand recoils, and it was getting too far away. Okay. Sorry. Now now it needs to go up. Well, it's going to go up on its own. 
There we go. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> this is. I'm, we need to get our hands together. Yes. I need a little whiteboard. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. Back to the seriousness. Okay. So we're we're we digressed. Um. So these governors are shipping, busing people, migrants from the border to New York City, um, Washington D.C. Um, and and so we kind of wanted to look at this a bit and kind of uh, just kind of discuss it and, and kind of get our heads around this idea and thought process. We, we as a family, um, oh golly, it's been what, three years ago? Yeah. Um, spent a week on the Arizona-Mexico border with an organization um, down there that um, works directly with migrants and their families um and so after coming back from that you and i have had a lot of conversations regarding migrants and and the church's response Mm -hmm. um the the american church response yeah Yeah. to migrants um why do you say american church response um because that's our context fair okay i I I don't I don't know that I n- know enough regarding refugees of other for other countries. This is kind of Fair. the context to which I know. Okay. Um yep. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. So um yeah, so Texas and Arizona are sending charter buses full of migrants to New York City and Washington DC. They did not tell these cities that these people were coming. Um, they just kind of showed up and just dumped them off and drove away. Um, and so... How many people are we talking about? Are you getting there? Um, I don't... Oh, um, more than 6,100 migrants have been bused to D.C. from Texas alone. Thousands. That's so why this is 6,100 right? migrants um, since I believe they started in May. They started yeah. busing them in May. Thousands of people. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I just kind of want to look. I'd like to get your thoughts on, on this a little bit. Um, I this can get very political very fast mm-hmm. um and and there is a lot of critique out there of the of these governors saying that this is just all political moves um i i i can't disagree with the one of the governors has said hey we're overrun we we cannot handle all of these migrants so, like, I get that. Like, I get they are they are just not physically able to process the number of people that are showing up. However, there's got to be a better way than just, here, get on this bus, drive 36 hours on a bus to a place you've never been, and here you go. Right. So, would you say a little bit more to you before we start talking about our thoughts and just kind of the... Christian perspective or our perspective as Christians, I should say, we don't represent all Christians. Right. Um, Say a little more, like you told me the answer to this. So I want you to, I want you to say what you told me. Where, where are they dropping off? What are they dropping them off with? Right. Like what does that look like when you say they're dropping them off? You already said that the cities don't know they're coming. Right. But primarily where are they dropping them off and what, what with? Um, Typically Union Station, um, and whatever they arrived at the border with. Oftentimes, it is the clothes on their back, maybe a spare, maybe a bag of clothes, maybe, um, and their kids. Um, so you're talking, you're you're talking not only individual people, but you're talking whole families. Um, that are being dropped off 
into um, like Union Station. Um, some were being dropped off at like a homeless shelter and they just kind of opened the door, let them off and drive away. Right. The shelters take them in because that's what the shelters do. Because they are considered right. homeless. homeless right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the ones that get dropped off at Union Station, are, are the, the assumption is they'll find the shelter. That Yeah, that yeah. Some, yeah. someone somewhere will figure out where they need to go. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are, are we missing any other facts or details? I can't remember. I think that, I mean, I think that's kind of the high level, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the... They're arriving anywhere from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night. So, you know, it's a 36-hour bus ride. Um, And, yeah. And so these cities are scrambling, and they're relying very heavily on nonprofit organizations to help, even just with basic care needs of these these people, these migrants. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said is true. Like 6,100 people anywhere that that are unexpected, that have nothing, it is a big deal. Right. Logistically. Right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, what do you want to say? What do you want to wonder no, or get no, curious no, no, no. about? No, I asked you a question and you have not answered me. What question did you ask, ask it again? I wanted to know what your thoughts were on That's all of this. That's a broad question. I know. Um, I, boy, I don't know. I feel like I'm having a hard time even trying to narrow down and articulate well. I, you know, I think, I think I just have a lot of, a lot of questions and a lot of wonderings about how, how this happens or, or why this happens, um, the way it does. Mm-hmm. I, I think my first wondering is like, is this really the best thing for these people? Right. You know, like, I, sh- should we as Christians, sh- should we first be concerned with what's best for them, not not what's convenient for us? Mm-hmm. Um, like, it seems pretty convenient to bust people out. It seems pretty convenient to say, hey, here in New York City, here's these 6,100 people that we don't know what to do with. Here, figure this out. But at the end of the day, like, these are human humans that were, like, these are living, breathing humans made in the image of God. Well, um, and there's a figure here that says it is costing Texas $12 million to bus these these people to Chicago, New York, Washington. Which so, is, like, there's a cost. Which is probably cheaper than the cost to care for them. Probably. It's probably probably, probably a cost-benefit to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. bus them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these are these are humans, right? I I th- I think I have a lot of questions about like what would it be like for me to be put on a bus and brought to a place that I, I mean, I'm already in a place that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I'm when I if I'm a migrant, I'm already in Texas. I'm in a place I don't know or don't know anyone, seeking safety. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's political rhetoric that says you know, these are traffickers or these are drug smugglers, but, but by and large, the statistics show for the most part, these are people just fleeing their homes, fleeing danger, fleeing lack Mm -hmm. of resources in search of resources. Right. Some of the interviews of, of the families that are seeking asylum and and refuge here, um, one one story was if we stayed we would have starved to death because of yeah. drought yeah. and um and so like you're also talking about people who have walked or um you know in most cases they have not driven right they have walked or, multiple countries or, yeah or gotten rides parts of it or... right right but for the most part like you know the in the news previously there have been these talks about these huge caravans of mm-hmm. people walking and um and the stories that come out of these caravans of like well if you're hurt or you're sick you're often left behind for dead like these are people who don't just wake up one day and say hey i think i'm I think I'm going to 
cross the border and you know and, and just go change my entire life right um like this this is something that is not taken lightly right for for the people that are making this decision to, to come here and to be here mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty easy. I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit. I, I think it's really easy to sort of make assumptions um, about the decision for these families to leave their homes because we've never been in that situation. Right. And I, I say it's easy to make assumptions because we just don't know. And when we mm-hmm. don't know, we often assume we know. And right. we try to know. Right. We try to know or understand based on our experiences, and we just don't have an experience for it. Right. Like I don't know. I have no idea what it's like to have have circumstances so bad that I that I would walk away from my home, presumably other family, mm-hmm. like to walk away. Like we we met families when we were in Mexico that had, you know, mom, dad, kids each had a backpack on their back, and that was all they had. That was all they had. Like I don't have any idea how bad it has to get for me right. to do that. Right. Right. And you know. Yeah, I I just don't think the narrative that we hear politically is is always true. Mm-hmm. Are there cases? Sure, right. But I I don't think by and large it's it's true. So so I you know I, I think there's a piece of that of like man I just don't know what that's like. Mm-hmm. And and then when we get faced with with this, I don't know what it's like. I just I just don't know that the best response is oh well this isn't our problem so mm-hmm. we're gonna ship you to, to, to new york city or something and somebody else can deal with it i, I just don't know if that's the most faithful response right, right. yeah I, I, well let me sorry let me close that thought I, I think all that to go back to my original thought of people arrive in, in texas or arizona already isolated already mm-hmm. away from family probably scared with nothing now get on this bus and go somewhere else now Mm -hmm. way across the country in a different climate in a different part Mm -hmm. of the world like it's going to be winter soon Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. what what then Mm -hmm. um i i i just don't know i can't imagine what that's got to be like Mm -hmm. and then and then just have the bus door open and say good luck right we're out right right yeah, I, I just find that really hard. Even if Texas and Arizona can't handle it, if it's too many people, I just don't know how. I don't know that I can get to a place where I can say, "Yeah, let's let's put put people on buses and send them to a place that doesn't know they're coming." Right, right. I I, I could get on board with saying with with these border states that are having a hard time saying, "Hey, can can we form a coalition can can we spread this out a little bit because we are getting overwhelmed right right you know other states would you other cities would you be willing to partner with us and we'll send you a busload right you know like can we work together and you know ideally i would love for the non-border states to say yes we you know let's get ourselves together and we you know like and we can take yeah yeah and help people and and spread this load out a little bit so that people are treated humanely and you you don't have just one area just completely overwhelmed yeah from yeah the situation because you know like yeah 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 and so so this is, I mean, we've talked about this for years. The the idea, you know, the, the gospel, Jesus talks a lot about caring for the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus always cares for the most vulnerable. Right. Not, not, Jesus does not care for anyone but the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think then the call is for us to care for the most vulnerable. And, and the, these mm-hmm. are some of the most vulnerable people among us. Mm-hmm. Right. When you think about what they are faced with and the dangers of being homeless in big cities and I mean, they are among the most vulnerable. And mm-hmm. and I, I think what gets so frustrating is, um, you know, I, I serve a church. We're part of a church that I think our church would say we're going to find a way 
to, to care for people, to mm-hmm. find a place or, or whatever that looks like mm-hmm. to say, gosh, we, we can do something for these folks. Right. Um, or, 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 or offer some sort of safe haven or sanctuary or, or something for, for, for even just a few of these folks. Right. But we also live in a state, and our church is in a state that's never going to do that. Right. Politically. Right. Never going to say, sure, we'll take these migrants. Right. Um, so, so that's what always seems so frustrating is that, that, you know, we always say, well, the church needs to, needs to be a part of these conversations. But how then do we do that when these non-border states, for, for political reasons. Right, right. Let's name it for political reasons. Right. Um, say nope. We don't want anything to do with that. Right. It feels like our hands, our our hands as the church are tied. It, and that's where it it gets challenging because we want the politics to follow the church. Oh snap! But like in reality, those who don't believe in what the church believes how do we expect that why do we expect them to behave like us yeah and and so you know like as so then as this crosses into politics you you're going you're getting frustrated because it's like i it would be great if the church would would be allowed to be the church yeah but it's complicated yeah so i think what you're saying is you don't expect the governor of texas or arizona to do anything different Mm -hmm. than to say oh these people aren't my citizens Mm -hmm. i i can't the state can't pay for these people to be cared for you expect a non-christian organization to to behave as non-christian right to 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 look out for their citizens first right? right Like, do, do I wish that was different? Maybe, yeah, maybe. But I don't know that I'm surprised when a, right. st- when a state says, we're going to close the border or we're not going right. to allow refugees. Like, I'm not surprised. I think the trouble is then the answer is, well, this is somebody else's problem. The answer sh- could could be, hmm, how do, we, how do we involve the church? And I'm oversimplifying it. Right. The governor is never going to say, how do we involve the church? Right. But but what what if it wasn't what what if it wasn't hey let's ship these people out what if it was like oh we know exactly where to we know exactly who to contact right you yeah know? yeah and that's what New York and Washington are kind of doing right now is saying we we can't handle this we have to rely on the nonprofits stepping up and helping us out. Which is what's happening, right? Like, right there, right. there are nonprofits yeah. stepping up and saying, "Yes, here, let's let's help you process paperwork. Let's help you, yeah. you know, yeah. get basic hygiene items, whatever." Um, and and f- yeah. frankly, there are pockets of the church doing this really well. Yes, right. right. So the the these friends of ours, Mark and Miriam from from Frontier to Cristo. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the church doing this extremely well on the border, on the U.S. side and the Mexico side. Yes. So, like, this is happening. This is happening, yes. But but I think there are lots of other pockets that could help that feel sort of handcuffed, like mm-hmm. like the situation here. Um, but right. there's also this unfortunate r- reality, too, that there is also this part of the church that is heavily politicized that says, no, no, God wants, God wants this done a certain way and when when the right. godly way of following the law of the land is is done then then we'll right. then we'll help right. and contribute right so there is like <laughs> the church is such a big broad phrase that yeah there are pockets where this is happening there's pockets where it could happen it it doesn't or can't and then there's pockets where it absolutely will not happen yeah there's a refusal to a refusal to, yeah to participate in that yeah, and so yeah, so this you know gets a little bit further down the 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 trail of like, yeah. So, what do you do in those situations of how heavily politicized part of the church is, 
and, and say that differently. I'm not sure that I follow that. Well, you you kind of referenced how the church being politicized has these stances of like, well, you follow the letter of the law, and then we'll help. So how how what is the response to that? What is and I, and I don't know. I don't. I maybe I. I don't know. I'm, like what is what is my response to that pocket of the church? Or yeah. what what is the what is the broader church's response to that pocket of the church? Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess I can't speak for the broader pocket. <laughs> I can't speak for the broader church, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think I think we've experienced some of this before, where you know the the sort of hard heartedness of well, you know these these migrants, they didn't have to come here. They could have stayed at their home. They could have migrated and immigrated legally through the proper legal political uh you know process and and because they didn't do that we we sh- we don't really have a responsibility to to care for that i i think there's a i i think there's a pocket of the church that says that i think yeah. this is also the same pocket that will often say either explicitly or implicitly that the constitution is divinely inspired you know i think this is the same sort of like like you know the the law is almost extra biblical or or para biblical right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i i think that's just really unfortunate um i mean i I think what's interesting I, i maybe this is coming full circle i think what's interesting is texas um I think I hear a kid up. But go ahead. Go ahead. Um, let's pause this. We'll be right back. Yeah. Okay, we're back. Sorry. Um, if you have kids, you know that, that feeling when you when you think you hear a kid in distress. Um, I th- we thought we heard a kid in distress. And they were both fast asleep. Fast asleep. I even woke one up to say, are you okay? Yeah. And yeah. she's like, Yeah. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Okay, okay, so anyway, back to the point. Yeah. I, what I think is curious about mm-hmm. this particular case when we talk about the church kind of being politically charged, mm-hmm. um, it is interesting to me that Texas is probably one of the most like Christian political states. I'm sure the governor, I don't know this for a fact, I'm making an assumption, I'm I would assume the governor's running on like Christian values. I would assume the same. And and but, yeah. so so I'm assuming then like this is a politically favorable move j- just like the wall or the border yeah. fence was. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's an interesting connection that mm-hmm. a really heavily Christian sort of political state is also involved in what I what I guess I would say is probably a really non-Christian posture right like I, I want to be careful I don't want to judge the action right but I think the posture of, of, of saying it's totally cool to put 6100 people on a bus and send them to a place they didn't want to go mm-hmm. and leave them with nothing right I don't right. know that that's a Christian posture right right the other question I have, you said, um, you said that these people, these 6,100 migrants, according to the news article, had all like signed an agreement that they would yeah. be okay going. So they, the report is that they did have signatures for every person that went that they did agree to go. Um, there are questions surrounding how how well was it explained? How right. like were they were they really given a choice? Did they feel that they were really given a choice? Um, so there's there's a lot of questions uh, surrounding these. Um, permission slips that were signed right um 
but yes, they, they do say they, they had um, the, they were voluntarily going to get on a bus and to be brought to another state. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I, I have again, a lot of questions. It, it's hard to know um, all the exact details, but they are saying that they, they did tell them and that they were aware that they were getting on a bus to go to another state. Um, again, the stories that are coming out, some say, well, I didn't know I was going to end up here. Um, some are saying that, you know, they, they didn't know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they have signatures. I, I think the question is always like, what was option B? Like, get get on a bus and go to New York City or Washington, D.C. or Chicago. Or, like, what was your other option? Right. And, and like, can you make a good decision under duress? I think right. Under duress, meaning, like, hey, we're here. We don't know any. Like, I think that's always a. You don't know the process. Right. We're trying, right. You know, we're trying to do what we think is the best for our situation. And yeah, you just don't know. Like, yeah. do you want these yummy, green, buttery Brussels sprouts or this icky, awful, fattening birthday cake, right? Like, yeah. Like, how was this right. portrayed? Like, you, right. you can, you, we can, we as parents know that you can manipulate. Manipulate the answer to what you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was me talking about what, what do you, what stirs up in you and what do you want to add? Um, I, I think some of it for me is, you know, I would love to see, like, I, I can, to some degree, I can see the need for saying, hey, we're, we're overwhelmed. We need help. And, you know, I would love to see a partnership between states and cities that said, that would say, hey, we have, you know, like New York and, and Washington, they they are like essentially renting out hotels for these people to stay until they can figure out what to do so that they're not just on the street. Um, yeah, so I, I would love to see cities and states that said, hey, you know, send us a busload. Let's, let's work together. We're, we're all together. We're one, you know, we're, we're unified. Let's, let's be unified. Um, that's you know ideal uh, yeah um, I I think that this this is an issue that that is I feel like has gotten progressively worse over the last several years that shows no signs of of um, relenting yeah, it's not going to fix itself, right? It's, yeah. It, it, I think for a long time we kind of just tried to ignore it, hoping it would go away, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like – it would be great to think, like, longer term, like, what is what is the solution? Um, you know, th there are, there are um, organizations like Frontera de Cristo – on the border <clears throat> that are are really doing great things with migrants on both sides of the border like can we learn from them you know they, they've they've invented the wheel right like they, they've they've got systems in place that are working can we learn from them on how to navigate some of this um, so that so that we can figure out a, a, a longer term solution yeah. to this you yeah. know yeah. yeah that's yeah that's kind of where I'm at I think there's another thing that concerns me about all this um, 
maybe concern is too strong, but I, there's another thing I find in interesting. Um, the article uses, well, the, the article references that the, the governors will, will criticize the, the federal government um, for not securing the border. Like that's the language, right? Securing mm -hmm. the border. I think what's interesting to me is that, right, this language of securing the border has has also gotten progressively more more often used in the last decade or so. Mm -hmm. But when it started, when we started to introduce the words "secure the border," it it was it was like a security, like you know, against terrorists or violent people mm -hmm. or drugs. The war on drugs. Right, mm -hmm. right. It, it was. It was against people who wish harm, mm -hmm. um, but but I I think what I'm present to is in this case when we use the words securing the border we we don't really mean securing it against people who wish harm we we really mean like we want to stop people from getting in yeah right like mm -hmm. when the when the governors are critiquing the federal government for for these 6,100 people for the border not being mm -hmm. secured. These are not people that pose a threat to national security or community security. These are people who presented to the yeah. borders, yeah, to the ports of entry, seeking asylum. Yeah, these are these are not people that climbed the fence, as it were. Right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I find that shift in language interesting. That mm -hmm. what we used to mean when we said that is not necessarily what we mean now mm -hmm. and, and I think maybe from a church perspective I think that we just as the church need to be aware of the language we use mm -hmm. and what we mean right mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think anybody has a problem with security at the border I certainly don't have a problem with security at the border right but, right. but I, I hope that I don't get to the point where I use secure security to mean you all gotta get out of here like it it feels to me a lot like this is my sandbox and you need to get out of my yeah. sandbox. I, there's not enough sand in my sandbox for mm -hmm. you. And and even like you know where we live, we're we're not on the border, but I feel like we can see that manifesting even even in our own communities. Yeah, yeah. Of like you you're from the outside. You, you, you're gonna take something away from me in my community. What you know, fill in the blank of whatever you think it might be. Right. And and I see that manifesting in 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 the ch within the church outside of just the migrant. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is then kind of filtering out all directions. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so maybe the theological turn I would make there, that I want to make, if I can get <laughs> nerdy for a second, mm -hmm. if if the fear is, like, I don't want you in my sandbox, or there's not enough sand in my sandbox for you, mm -hmm. then you're going to take my sand, you know, mm -hmm. or you're going to take up my play spot in the sand, like, if we're going to use that analogy, like, mm -hmm. this this is the place where I play, mm -hmm. right, and, mm -hmm. and I don't want you to play here. Right. Because that then changes how I play. Mm -hmm. I think the theological turn is that we, the church, I think, needs to hold a theology that says we serve a God who not only built the sandbox and made the sandbox greater and broader and more vast than we could ever imagine, mm -hmm. but has it overflowing with sand to where it'll never run out, no matter how many people right. are in the sandbox. Right. Right. Like I think that's the theological turn is that whatever fear we have or whatever concern we have of what these 6,100 people, however, I mean, migrants in general, what, what they're going to, how they're going to impact us in our life. Like as the church, like we serve a God of abundance, right. not scarcity. Right. A God who opens his arms up to all of, crea all of his creation. It's already his anyway mm -hmm. and gives abundantly. Right. doesn't hold back and, and conserve and and feel like there's a, a limited amount to go around. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you 
you can see that even in in the Bible with with the loaves and fishes yeah. miracles yeah. of you know like Jesus feeds thousands with meager things and there's these leftovers right like yeah. everyone yeah. eats their fill and then there's like leftovers like not only is there enough for everybody but there's also extra for right more. I mean Israel in the wilderness was fed yeah. every day with what just what they need nothing more nothing less right yeah. I mean yeah I, I think this theology of gosh if we let migrants in I'm going to lose my spot in the sandbox or mm-hmm. I'm going to play differently. And maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe that's true, but the sandbox is much bigger than we know mm-hmm. and much more, much more full mm-hmm. than, than we ever can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah. what's the takeaway? Wh- what's the final word? What's your parting? What's your closing word? Knowing that there's hours that we could <laughs> talk about this. Wh- what do you want to say? Well, how do you want to end? Wh- what is your last word? And then I'll be the last word. Um, I think for me, I I want I want to look. So, um, I through a ministry that I volunteer for, um, they are doing a daily devotional, and um, the devotional today was the miracle. We're reading through John, and so. Today we're reading the the miracle of Jesus turning the water to wine, and you know the kind of their takeaway was like opening your eyes to see the miracle around you. Mm. That's really good. And so, like this has kind of stuck with me as I think about this: of like, how do I open my eyes to see the miracle? To see that the sandbox is bigger. To see that mm. there's there's not only room enough for my neighbor, but there's an abundance yeah. for the neighbor I haven't met yet. Yeah. For the for the neighbor that I don't even know what they need yet. How do I how do I open my eyes to see that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's that's what's kind of been noodling around of like how do I how do I take an active an active role? And not just a passive, like, oh, that's horrible to hear. What what am I actively doing? Yeah. In that, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. What about you? Um. I don't know. That's a good question. I th- I think I think my last word is I I hope. I hope this for me, and I hope this for the church. I say I hope this for me because I don't have any illusion that I'm that I have this figured out but I think my hope for all of us is that when we hear hear stories like this that that we that we might feel something Mm -hmm. that that we might not just be callous to it Mm -hmm. and that these might not just be statistics or numbers on a bus but actual like living breathing image bearers of God yeah yeah you know I, I I do think Jesus cares most for the vulnerable yeah and calls us to do the same Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's lofty to think, gosh, we we should do something um, before we learn how to care. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think my hope is that the Holy Spirit moves us all to like care and to be to be hurt when when people are hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. and me too. Like yeah. this, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm saying this from an ivory tower because there's lots of times where I read news stories and I go, meh doesn't yeah it do, it, doesn't know. directly affect me yeah but yeah so i think that's you know i think the migrant issue is is pretty close to home for us mm-hmm. um, yeah just based on our experiences but um yeah. i think that's my last word is that i i hope a little bit more tomorrow and then a little bit more the next day that the church reads this story and doesn't get caught in the trap of just brushing this aside as numbers on a bus mm-hmm Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, that's right. So, church. Yeah. What's your
Halloween. I never remember if I'm supposed to go, like, who, who who's supposed to go? Is it always the person who... Yes. Yes. I always I, I get know, this confused. I know. That's why I asked you the question. I know, but I'm <laughs> the question asker. See, we are crushing this podcast. We are. We need a producer. If you want to be our producer, submit um, your resume. <laughs> um, and we'll do this for free. We'll do this. Yeah, if, if you're a producer that will do this for free. Yes. Yes, please. Um, okay, anyway, what am I reading? I, I read a book called um, Every Warrior Has a Song by mm. Alan Walker. This is um, a book. So Alan Walker is a descendant, like either great-great-grandson or great-great-great-grandson, I don't remember, of a, um, a, a Winnebago warrior. Okay. Um, and it's the story of the Winnebago people. And how the Winnebago Native American people ended up in in Winnebago around Omaha. Okay. There's an Indian reservation in a place called Winnebago right around Omaha, between Sioux City and Omaha. Okay. Um, And it's a story of how they ended up there. Mm. And it is unbelievable uh, to read this story. So uh, also this – so Alan Walker, his – I think his grandfather, getting the great great the great grandfather, <laughs> his great grandfather was one of the first um, Braves to fight and to scout for the U.S. military. Oh, um, that's a whole other story. But but there, this is why, like, this is a significant historical figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it follows the story of the Winnebago people and and how they ended up in in this this area around Omaha coming from uh, a place in Iowa a place in Minnesota and a place in Wisconsin Mm. and the the number the number is ridiculous like these people were moved by by the government right Mm -hmm. these are these are involuntary moves Mm -hmm. uh, five times in 34 years Wow. and the stories I mean this is like late 1800s okay right Uh that's this is the time frame Uh um and just the stories, Amber, are just heartbreaking of, you know, h- how that h- how that happened, how the moves happened, how the government moved people and, tr- and you know, transport people and the stories of people that were too slow or too sick were just left behind or, or even mm. even killed, like, to, uh, instead of having to care for them, um, you know, traveling on boats, just just unbelievable stories and kind of gets into the stories of um you know the church the christian church has a pretty awful history mm-hmm. with native americans mm-hmm. um but the stories of, of the winnebago people in, in, in what they call christian christian schools mm-hmm. they weren't really christian schools they were trying to civilize mm-hmm. qu- i'm gonna either quote right. civilize these native these quote savages are the words that they use right and, you know, th- I mean, it's just story after story of, you know, um, a Native American student speaking in his own language and the teacher or the principal would, would hit them with a stick, mm-hmm. right? And, like, mm-hmm. this is all in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. wants you to be like mm-hmm. the white man. And yeah, yeah. It's just heartbreaking. It's awful. And, you know, come Lord Jesus. But I don't know that you can fi- – I don't know where you can find this book. I don't – I'm going to – I'm going to say it's really good, but – I got it from a, a fellow pastor named Lowell. He was a uh, a pastor on the Winnebago Reservation for a number mm-hmm. of years, mm-hmm. and I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, I want to know know more about indigenous peoples in this part of the country." Mm-hmm. And he gave me these books. Mm-hmm. He gave me a couple more books. So that mm-hmm. was the first one that I read. Interesting. Every warrior has a song. Hmm. Um. I can't help but notice some of the similarities between the story you just shared it's and what we just talked about. You know, I know this is going to make this segment longer, but, you know, there's something to be said about history, mm-hmm. right? There's something to be said about history. Like, we, we often, uh, the kind of circles I swim in talk about church history mm-hmm. and how, you know, the church has gone through all this stuff before. Mm-hmm. But I think the same is true for, like, political, geographical, socioeconomic history, like, 
We repeat what we don't we repair. Yeah, and, and what we don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's so similar. Mm-hmm. So, so similar. Like, these people have something we want. We're more powerful. We don't, we don't, you know, we, we, we don't think of them even as humans. So mm-hmm. we're willing to do things to them that are subhuman. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think all that we talked about before, like, we're treating migrants as subhuman. Right, right. It, it is mm. so interesting what we repeat when, when we don't understand that we've done these things before. And, and when we don't understand the impact of them. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, I think Native American, indigenous people, first countries people, I think that history gets so watered down. And, yep. and we are so slow to, like, name the impact of that. Mm-hmm. But my yeah. goodness, I just, the impact is just... I mean, the fact that even today, like, we still have Native American reservations. Right, right. That are riddled with drug abuse and alcohol abuse and domestic abuse. That that all goes back mm-hmm. to these schools that are beating children for using their native language. Right, right. The impact, anyway, sorry. Yeah. I <laughs> this could be a whole podcast. But yeah. Um, if, if you don't know anything about First First Nations people or Indigenous people, it's worth a worth a read. Yeah, absolutely. So Amber, yeah, what you reading? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just realized. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> this is a, a an abrupt turn. It is. We're going to end on a very lighthearted <laughs> note because yes. um the the book I just finished is a very lighthearted book. <laughs> um, so every once in a while, I just get in the mood of reading something lighthearted and not heavy <laughs> and so <laughs> <laughs> not heavy pun pun intended pun intended um yeah so i just got done listening uh audiobook uh dad is fat by jim gaffigan <laughs> it is a a enjoyable makes you chuckle read um it's it's an audio it's also in print, but the audiobook is read by Jim Gaffigan. I do believe we have talked briefly about this book on the podcast. I think so. Um, I think this made our top five or top three. Or I whatever. think it did too. Um, so yeah, I revisited that. Um, it made me chuckle. The <laughs> audiobook is read by Jim Gaffigan, so he will throw little things into the audiobook that you know is not in the the written book. Um, so yeah, if you enjoy Jim Gaffigan as a stand-up comedian, his book is essentially a stand-up show. Yeah, because he's enjoyable. reading like it's essentially him just telling jokes, right? Yeah, uh, about his life. He's got um, five kids in a two-bedroom New York apartment, and so it's his it's his life of that, and it's yeah, it's enjoyable. And, and if you don't, if you're listening to this podcast and don't like Jim Gaffigan's comedy, we're not friends. <laughs> That's not true. It's not but true, but it is he's, worth. He's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, what What made you laugh? The, like, do you remember? Do you remember uh, something he said? Go. Something he read in the book that made you laugh? You're putting me on the spot. I here. know. I'm sorry. Um. I <laughs> the way he talks about how like. Um. He, so he's got his five kids in this apartment, and like his neighbors. So it's a five. <laughs> it's a two-bedroom walk-up. So there's no elevator. And they yeah. live on like the second or third floor, whatever. And how like his neighbors will pay them <laughs> to get them out of the apartment building while they show and try to sell the their apartment like below them, so that they don't. Yeah, so just listening to him to hilarious. Yeah, just enjoyable. Of, hilarious. You know, like y- like you know trying to tell their like telling their kids it's bedtime and you know he's like yelling and crying and screaming and oh yeah, the kids get upset too. Like <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just a lighthearted It's very funny. And and I think some of it's funny because it's true. Like if you yeah, have kids, yeah. you know like you don't even have to have five kids to be like, "Oh yeah." Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The two-year-old, at yep. Mm-hmm. Like walking down the street, and somehow the two-year-old doesn't have shoes anymore, and like <laughs> it takes an hour to get out to go to the park, and yeah. So. Yeah, 
really funny. Is is that the book? He's got a couple. Is that the book where he talks about um, having five kids is like having four kids and you're drowning yeah. and someone throws you another baby while you're drowning? Yeah. So he, <laughs> so he said, he said, uh, yeah. So having three kids, having four oh, yeah. kids is like you're you're drowning and someone hands you a baby, and having five kids is like um, you're drowning. You're you're drowning. Someone hands you a baby, and then the fifth one is is like it's raining or something <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's really fun. It's yeah. it's worth a read or a listen. I've never. I don't know if I've listened to it, but it's a good read too. Yeah. Listen. Listening is enjoyable because he mm-hmm. he he reads it, so it gives it his own personality. Yep. But, yeah. It's good. Anything else that you want to say before we close out? There's lots I want to say. Oh, boy. No, no, no. We can close out. Close it out, Amber. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time. The Date Night Podcast was written and presented by Amber and Kurt. Produced by Kurt and Amber. Intro music and interlude selected by Amber and Kurt. Editing by Kurt and Amber. Logo and thumbnail created by Amber and Kurt. Research and fact-checking done by Kurt and Amber. This has been a production of Amber and Kurt.